Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. To hear more sermons and to find out more about our church, please visit SugarHillChurch.com. Let's get into the sermon. How many of you this week have had your feelings hurt? Okay, how many of you have hurt somebody's feelings? Okay, how many of you know the person sitting next to you hurt somebody's feelings, but they may not know it? Yeah, I know. Every, every wife looked at their husband and said, <clears throat> yeah, you know, like I said earlier, 87% of our life and leadership problems are interpersonal. I mean, just getting along with people is an ordeal, is it not? My dad, who was one of the wisest guys of all time, when I was praying about leaving the business world and coming into ministry, my dad said, son, please don't do it. And I thought, well, dad, you're in ministry. Why would you say that? He said, because ministry's hard. I said, what do you mean? I said, they eat their young what? He said, seriously, ministry would be so much fun if it weren't for people. I mean, just look around at these people in here today. We are spoiled, my friend. We are spoiled. But we, we have problems with people. I mean, this series called Greater, we get to see the left side of the greater sign, which is that which is greater, and the right-hand sign, which is lesser. Right? Oftentimes in our relationships, we intentionally choose lesser than greater. Because if we have all of these problems and challenges, we gotta figure out how do we deal with them. A great poet born in 1806 by the name of Elizabeth Barrett Browning, her poetry became world renowned after her death. She grew up with a tyrannical father and a really abusive relationship in her family. And she fell in love with this guy and it had her had a dream man. And it came along and she got married to this fella and moved away from her home. And her parents have disapproved and disowned her and totally wrote her out of her life. And every day for 10 years, Elizabeth Barrett Browning wrote her parents a letter. Every day for 10 years, she wrote her parents a letter. Let me say that again. Every day for 10 years, she wrote her parents a letter and mailed it to them. At about year 13, she received a large postal box that came to her home. And when she opened the box, it was every single letter that she had written to her parents unopened. Upon her death, a few years later, her husband... Robert took those poems and began to publish them, and she became known as one of the world's great literary poeters. Is that the right? Poeters, poetry, poet, what a poet? Is that the word? I'm like Hector. (laughs) I'm American, and I can only speak fluent Bubba. And... (laughs) But now think about it. If they just opened one, imagine what that relationship might could have been. But you see, she extended forgiveness and she extended grace, but it was never received. Hence, the relationship never repaired. What a tragedy. What a horrific circumstance in life. What a difficult thing. In Scripture today, in Matthew chapter 18, in Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 21, I'll give you a minute, Matthew's first book of the New Testament. So if you're trying to figure that out, it, it really around here, it's okay. Look in the table of contents. We know most of you don't read your Bible. Just go ahead and look in your table of contents, find the page, go ahead and flip to it. If you have an iPhone with version, piece of cake, three clicks, you're there. Get out of iMessage long enough to do that. Nice. Okay. Those of you, how many of you, by the way, have Googled Elizabeth Barrett Browning since you've been sitting here? Anybody? 
I'm so disappointed in y'all. Okay, now, chapter 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, speaking to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Pretty good question, right? And then he goes on and he says, as many as seven times. Now, the reason he would ask that is that the Jewish law of the day said that you had to forgive a certain number of times. Law stated that. Now, now let me stop and remind you that Jewish law isn't a lot different than church law, where man gets together and man comes up with a rule and man says this is what's right, and man says this is what you do, and man says this is the limit, and man says this is what happens. And Jesus replies and says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. So now, can you imagine what Peter rushed to? 490? I've got to forgive a guy 490 times? See, he missed the point altogether. Peter thinks that forgiveness is about keeping score. They did this, put a check mark on the blackboard. They did this, check mark on a blackboard, right? Are you with me? Okay, so you, so you look at that and you say, okay, like Alan back there. Alan, Alan wrongs me, put a check on the blackboard. Okay, at number six, next time, Alan, you are so busted, right? Because at, at number eight, I can take you out. Right? And with both of us having bum shoulders, that could be fun to watch. It would be rock'em, sock'em, robox with like one boxer. Right? But Jesus comes along and what he's really saying is it's not about keeping score. It's not about how many times. It is that what you are to do is to extend forgiveness and grace. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to take note of this, that grace doesn't really happen without forgiveness and forgiveness cannot happen without grace. The two are hand in glove. I mean, it's like hamburger helper, but you got to have the hamburger. But the fact of the matter is, I'm really not sure why hamburger helper, that guy only has three fingers. But beyond that, the, the fact of the matter is, you, they go hand in hand. Forgiveness and grace are greater than your life circumstances, and they're greater than your broken relationships. We need something greater than our hurt. We need something greater than what's broken. We need something greater than what's happening in our life. Today, as we continue the series greater, let's tackle what's greater than our personal circumstances. I mean, forgiveness is an act of great grace. Forgiveness is an act of grace, and that is greater. Now, that's, that's tweetable, by the way. Forgiveness is an act of grace, and that is greater. Greater than what? Greater than your life circumstances. Greater than your broken relationships. Broken, wounded, weary, Hurting, broke, horrific, whatever it is, grace and forgiveness are greater than those things. I think many of us understand what forgiveness is, but I'm not sure all of us understand what grace is. Grace is undeserved blessings from God given to us. I mean, in essence, God's getting what, God's grace is us getting what we need rather than what we deserve. Grace is the active expression. Grace is the active expression of God's love for humanity. Grace is what every person desperately needs and what every heart secretly longs for. But I believe there's four facets of grace. And there's four facets of grace that we need to understand. So if you've got pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, would you jot these four down? One, I believe we need grace to live. 
Day by day, day after day, day in every day, every day, every week, every month, every year. We need grace to live. This life is not very fair. This life is not at times very fun. This life can be very difficult. Without grace, there is no hope. Without grace, there is no sustenance. Without grace, there is no foundation. The foundation of what we believe and the hope of Jesus, our Christ, our Lord, is found in grace. Well, how do you know that? Because in our sin, in our messed up life, in our selfishness, and all the things that we've done wrong, because according to the Bible, all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because of that, God extended his forgiveness and grace by sending Jesus, his son, that he might live a sinless, perfect life, die on a cross and shed his blood and his body be broken as punishment and payment that we deserve because of our sin. And then he died on that cross, was buried in a cold tomb and then rose again on day three that he might extend grace to all those who are willing to be forgiven. Does that make sense? And so begins the journey of grace, which allows us to have grace to live. Grace is what allows us to look at our circumstances and say, man, this stinks and know that he's got you and he can rise above that. Grace is that ability to say, I'm lonely. And grace is the ability to say, but I've got you. Grace is the ability to say, I'm broke, and be able to know he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Grace is the ability to know my kids are driving me crazy. And grace is the ability to know that your heavenly father looks at you and says, I understand. We need grace to live, but we also need grace to forgive. We need grace to forgive. I recall several years ago, I, I worked with a fellow, and um, when, when we parted working with one another, it wasn't the most beautiful of departures. And um, I, I really felt like my job was to say, let's sit down, let's try to fix this relationship. We'd been close, we'd been, really, we'd been very close for eight years, and, and, and I wanted to try to make it right. So I met him at, at, a, at a golf country club that had really good corn chowder. And so we went, and, um, and so when we sat down, he literally had a legal pad that was handwritten, single-spaced, with page after page after page, four or five pages of single space, and each line was an offense that I had done to him. Now, now please don't get me wrong. I can be the world's greatest jerk. I, I mean, I graduated with degree in jerkdom. Okay, I mean, truly, I know I can be a jerk. I get it. You know, but, but every, any of you ever recognize every now and then you can be that guy? I, I'm good at it, all right? So when I saw it, it wasn't like I was going, huh, wow, didn't see that coming. I mean, I know what it's like to, to be the, the jerk in the relationship. We sat there, and he went through every one line by line. vast majority of them, I didn't even know what, I didn't, I didn't, know, I didn't, I didn't even know I had any, I didn't know what I did. But we went through all of them. We got done. I'll never forget. He looked at me and said, so what do you have? And I thought, I, corn chowder. Well, what do you have to say? And I said, I am so sorry that I, that I have hurt you. I am so sorry that, that I have wounded you. I am so sorry that I caused this offense in your life and in your heart. Now, please don't hear me. I don't respond that way all the time. Okay, I mean... I mean, everything in my flesh wanted to kick his rear end, all right? And, and at the time, I was relatively sure I could, all right? Matter of fact, I, I, I still think I can with one arm messed up, but that's beside the point. For once in my life, I let Christ reign on my heart. And my response was, I'm just so sorry. 
Now, that's not to say our relationship is perfect or wonderful now, but it is to say this. I have overwhelming peace in my heart with that relationship. You know why? Because God who offered me forgiveness through grace filled me to the brim to the degree that I could extend forgiveness and grace. Now you say, well, but Chuck, it's not re- didn't really work. He didn't extend it back. That's not the point. The point is, where are you in your relationship with the one who created you? Because have you done what he did for you? You say, well, Chuck, I, I, don't, I don't know that I could do that. Could I be honest with you? I'm not sure how I did that, apart from the power of the presence of God. So I wonder in our life if we need grace to forgive. But then we need to have grace to face our past. I, I'm, I'm just going to take a wild guess here that most of us in this room, somewhere in our past, have done something that was really, really stupid. Anybody join me in that one? Yeah. Any of you want to take it back? Yeah. And it can't be done, can it? When it's done, it's done. When it's said, it's said. I've said things I wish I could reel them back. I've done things I wish I could reverse the tape. But you can't. It's already out there. You know, the beauty is we understand grace when we need it most. And when we need it most, he is faithful to provide forgiveness and grace when we come to him and say, I need you, Lord. I'll never forget, Jenny and I were, were dating. We were sitting in a movie theater, and um, as most of you know, my, my first wife had passed away, and Jenny and I are a second chapter, and she's just an absolute gift from God. And um, so we were dating, kind of doing that adult dating thing. It's just awkward. And, um, and we were sitting in a movie, and um, by the way, she chased me more than I chased her, I'm just saying. <laughs> We, we'd, we'd sit in a movie, and she'd like, she'd like reach over and take her hand and kind of rub the top of my hand. And I was like, baby, you know? And uh, you know that's true, don't you? Baby, you know that's true, don't you? She is like 18 shades of red right now. But, but we were sitting in a movie theater, and I got a call because one of my daughters had made a stupid decision. Made a stupid, stupid decision. One of those kind of life-altering deals. I left and I went to where she was and picked her up. We were quiet all the way to the car and in the car really not knowing what to do. And, and I'll remember this for as long as I live. That night we, we got home and uh, I got in my bed alone and she went to her bedroom. And it wasn't 10 minutes later. I wasn't asleep. I just lay in there because as a daddy, my heart was in pieces. I'm just thinking, oh, dear God. What happened? I'll never forget that little girl. She came in. She came in my room, and tears are sobbing and running down her cheek. And she grabbed me. She said, "Daddy, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry." And the only thing that could come to my mind was this, sweetie. I love you. You're going to always be my little girl. Forevermore, you're going to be my little girl. I I love you. We'll figure it out tomorrow. You know why? His grace is enough to overcome your past. And finally, you need grace to face your future. You know who that little girl is now? A gifted, godly, awesome, young wife who loves her husband, loves her God, and loves her daddy. And you know what I know? 
That's grace. That's grace. Some of you today need grace to live, grace to forgive. Some of you need grace to forget your past and to face your future. But, but grace is a life that's full, it's free, it's abundant right here, right now. But grace gives us life and eternity with Christ, not just abundantly today. The Greek word for forgive, where's Hector? Is, is he, Hector, the Greek word. Hola, Hector. People on the podcast were like, I don't get that. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. <laughs> the, the Greek word for forgive has a lot of different meanings. I mean, listen to what Jesus said. Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. So you remember when he said that, right? Jesus is hanging on a cross. Father, forgive them. for They don't know what they're doing, Right. The meaning of forgive used there has three unique meanings. The first meaning forgive is this, let go or let alone or let it be. The second meaning is give up on it. It's no longer there. And the fourth meaning is just disregard it completely. I mean, do you get the, the, the idea of what Jesus was saying? Forgive them, move on, step up. That's grace. Some of us are hanging on to something somebody's done to us for days, weeks, months, or years. And you know what's happening? You are literally robbing yourself of the goodness and the grace of God. Move on. Jesus is saying, I've got you. I got grace to overcome your past. I've got grace to face your future. And I've got forgiveness to disregard it and pass by it. Take it. It's yours for the having. That means that everything God has the right to hold against you, he lets go of. That means, that means that God keeps those things that you've confessed against you no longer. Not only does God let go of what you've done, but he also disregards it and he no longer remembers it. God says, I'll wipe the slate clean for you. I'll extend grace. I'll extend forgiveness to the degree that you are saturated to the bone with it, that you're filled with it and it overflows so that you might extend it to somebody else. Because that's what a child of the king does. He takes the king's grace and the king's forgiveness and extends it through the kingdom. That's why God's forgiveness is greater than anything you are, have ever, or will face in this lifetime. Now we're talking about something even greater. If you only forgive someone when they ask for it, then it's not really forgiveness, is it? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I'll forgive them if they'll come to me and say, rah, rah, rah. have you ever been there? I'll forgive them if they'll come and say, I'm sorry. What if you actually forgave them and they never knew it except the way you acted and reacted with them and before the presence of God, you said, I, Lord, I want to forgive this debt. What might happen if you forgave them before they ever came and asked for it? Well, Chuck, you don't know what they've done to me. He does. And his, his statement is, you, you want to live in joy? You want to live in, in the goodness of God? Forgive through the extension of grace. It's pretty simple. You want something greater than your life circumstances? You want something greater than what's going on in your life and your broken relationships? Extend forgiveness and grace. I mean, if you only forgive when someone asks, you completely miss the point Jesus is making. Forgiveness is an act of the personal will. It's a choice that you make, a choice of either forgiving or unforgiving. I mean, you're one of two kind of people, the kind of person who's filled with enough grace that you can forgive or the kind of person who's not filled with enough grace that you won't forgive. 
I mean, earlier we talked about the diversity in the room, but the greatest diversity in the room is spiritual maturity, the degree to which we have the ability to be filled with enough grace to forgive or not. I have the unique capacity to offend people. I mean, it is amazing how good I am. I mean, most often, I don't even know I did it. I mean, I'll get an email through some of the weekends, I cannot believe you said that. And when I read it back or I listen to myself, I think, me either. I believe there's four reasons why extension of grace ought to happen even when it's not asked for. Number one, the person may not know they wronged you. I mean, I have offended people and didn't even know it. Some of us are wired that way. I mean, we're just, I mean, we're just, we're just, you know, we're we're blowing through life trying to make stuff happen. We don't even know we offended you. Sometimes I need people to love me enough to say, "Hey, excuse me, Chuck, that was stupid." You know, I'm really, I'm really grateful that um, one of the people on our staff, her name is Lisa Kent. Uh, She talk about a gift from God. This, this is one of the hardest working women on the planet. And uh, when I offend Lisa, I never know it. But she loves me enough to, to peek her head in the office and say, hey. And she, she talks with this kind of little baby voice. Hey, Pastor Chuck. <laughs> I just want you to know that really hurt. Ooh. And, and between the baby voice and, and those big puppy eyes and then the fact that I know that I did it, you know what I realize? Golly, I love you. I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt you. What do I need to do to make that right? Sometimes we do it and we don't even know it. Number two, the person may know, they may, they may not even have contact with you anymore. Maybe, maybe the two of you have moved on. Number three, the situation continually hurts you until you let it go. It's like swallowing a poison you meant for somebody else, but it's inside of you killing you. And number four, when you hold on to this without forgiveness and extension of grace, you open yourself up to further sin. Greater regret, greater bitterness, greater resentment, greater anger. And before long, that's replacing the place that Jesus has for your heart, and you filled it with resentment and bitterness and anger and pettiness. The Greek word that Jesus uses in Matthew is aphaim, aphaimi. And this word has three major implications. Like I said earlier, let alone, let go, to leave. I mean, the forgiveness that Jesus gives to us and wants to give to others means a lot of things. When forgiveness is given, the matter is no longer held against them. The situation is no longer remembered in a negative light. The person doing the forgiveness is set free from the hurt and pain. Forgiveness is an experience of grace. Forgiveness is an experience of grace. True forgiveness is always an overflow of grace. Forgiveness is that radical concept that God would no longer view us as strangers, but his kids. It's like 10 minutes after God puts you to bed and you walk back into his bedroom and you say, God, I am so sorry. And he takes those heavenly arms and he wraps around us and says, you're forgiven. I extend grace. I love you. It's not just an experience of grace. You see, forgiveness is only available through this personal experience with the risen Christ. In between services, I was talking with a, a, a new friend. He works at Bodyplex and, and uh, Beverly Weddlestead, who runs the Win-Win Nutrition's next door. And she's just become like a missionary. I mean, it's just, this, this girl's all about it, bringing people to church. And she brought this super cool young guy to church. In between services, I was talking to him, and he, he said, you know, I don't get this whole singing thing. And when you said, like, bow your heads, it kind of freaked me out. And, you know, I, I have never been to church. It's like, what is up with this? But with tears in his eyes, you know, he said, but I know I need this. 
whatever it is that you were, I need this. And I said, hey, dude, would you, you want to give your life to Christ? He said, yeah. You, you want to meet with me a couple times a week? I'll stop by the gym and we'll spend 15, 20 minutes and we'll walk through and I'll show you how to, yeah. That's Jesus extending forgiveness and grace. Maybe that's what you need today. Forgiveness is also an expression of grace. See, without grace, forgiveness is impossible. I mean, grace moves when we're forgiven by God, and grace moves again when we extend it to others. What, what is greater than our daily circumstances? Grace. What happens when you have grace? Forgiveness. So that makes forgiveness and grace greater than, than our life circumstances. So you look at that and say, well, Chuck, I want to rise above my life circumstance. Okay, extend forgiveness and grace. I don't know how to do that. Receive forgiveness and grace from Christ. This is, this is a one-two punch. Jesus, I need you. Please forgive me. Give me your grace. You know what he's faithful and just to do? Okay. Then you know what he expects? You extend it to others. What happens then? You rise above your life circumstances because that's greater than whatever's going on in your life. When we experience forgiveness, we're able to extend forgiveness. When grace moves in our hearts, we're more open to forgive. I mean, it's really that simple. Forgiveness is also an expectation of grace. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 14, here's what it says. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I mean, we, we can't be forgiven if we choose to be unforgiving. Doesn't that make sense? I mean, some of us want God's forgiveness, but we don't want to extend it to others. And what Jesus is saying, dude, it works like this. I extend to you, fill you up, you extend it to others. That's the way it works. You say, well, maybe Jesus doesn't know what they did to me. Well, that means you're questioning the deity of Jesus. Well, of course he does. He knows everything. He's never changed. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. He's the bread of life. He's the living water. He's our strong tower. He is our sustainer. He is our keeper. He knows it all. You see, when we refuse to forgive, we're living in disobedience with God. We choose lesser, not greater. I, mean, I can't imagine doing that. I mean, one of my favorite things to eat on the planet is uh, there's, there's a bakery in Flowery Branch that's owned by one of our church members called Calliope Sweets. I said it right this time. I've, I've been calling it Calliope, and it's, that's not, I got told him, Chuck, you're stupid. So I agreed with that and went with Calliope Sweets. They make a key lime cupcake that truly I'll fight you for. I mean, in love, but I mean, I'll, I'll fight you for it. When you take a bite of that, you get the sprinkles and the frosting and the cake and that little bit of filling. You got a really good cup of coffee and you got great company like Jenny sitting across the table from you. You take that first bite and you know what everything in your body says? Bam! (laughs) Not one time have I taken one bite of that and said, yeah, it's good. And walked away from it. You know what I do? I mean, I turn into Chuck the Cookie Monster with that key lime cupcake. You know why? Because when you taste something good, you want more of it. You know what I've learned? When you experience the forgiveness and grace of God, you will not settle for a little. You want more. When you experience the goodness of Jesus, you don't want a little. You want more. Forgiveness is an extension of grace. You remember back in the original text, Matthew 18, where, Jesus, where Peter says, how many times do I forgive? Peter goes about this thinking like it's a, a rule book. It's a scoreboard. 
Grace doesn't keep count. Grace doesn't keep score. Grace says, I love you. Let's don't make that mistake again. Jesus isn't setting a limit on the number of times we should be willing to forgive. Jesus wasn't saying to keep a record of wrongs up to 77 times or 490 times. The expression is one of grace. You say, well, Chuck, I... The purpose of forgiveness is to extend the grace to other people, but if that's greater than circumstances in my life, then how do I get there? Well, think about these four things and jot them down. Number one, your unwillingness to forgive will ruin your relationships. Your unwillingness to forgive will ruin your relationships. Some of us write people off, some of us build walls between people, but your unwillingness to forgive is going to ruin a relationship. And you know, sometimes it takes time to build that back, but at some point you got to move on. Number two, your unwillingness to forgive removes our confidence in Christ. Well, if I can't do it, he can't do it. You know, the only thing that makes you available to extend grace is him. The only thing that makes you available to extend forgiveness is him. The only thing good within us is him. Number three, the unwillingness to forgive leaves us trapped in our past. I don't know about you, but I believe my future is greater than my past. You know why? Because I believe in the hope of glory. I believe in the risen Christ. I believe in the King who died for me and rose for me. And I believe there is a day that he has coming on this world and beyond where he is going to do something extraordinary through this church and through our lives. And I can't wait to see what that is through you and through me. Here's a couple thoughts for you. People are illogical, unreasonable, and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you care for other people, people are going to accuse you of selfish and ulterior motives. Care for them anyway. The good you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Honesty and transparency make you vulnerable. Be honest and transparent anyway. You forgive people and they'll question your sincerity. Forgive them anyway. And you often won't think people deserve grace. Extend grace anyway.